0: G'day, friends. Welcome back. Wow. Just... Wow. Um, Star Wars is magical again. Today's episode made me feel like a kid again. Um, I I cried like a lot of us would have. Um, I was blown away. I was blown away. Dave... We, we might be in the middle of watching Dave single-handedly save Star Wars because there's been good Star Wars in recent years and there's been bad Star Wars in recent years. But we haven't had anything that felt new, that felt refreshing. This is amazing what he's doing. Um, there is heaps to get through. I've got so many notes here. A lot of them are written, written in capitals. <laughs> Um. Huge spoiler warning. Huge, huge spoiler warning. Let's get into it. We the in the in the down there. We face the back. Read the, the Super I will say once again and for the final time, spoiler warning. Okay, where do I begin? So the first half of the episode is broken up into what Ahsoka's doing and what Hera's doing. I want to talk about what Ahsoka's doing. I want to talk about what Ahsoka's doing. Right, so I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little bit confused about where she is, right? It is the world between worlds, but I wonder if that's actually where she is. I wonder if she's actually in some kind of force dream purgatory. I don't think she's actually in the world between worlds because it doesn't behave like the world between worlds, does it like she doesn't use it to go anywhere in time. She just falls at one point. It ends up back in a memory. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced that she's actually there. I think that's just where this sort of, you know, test that she's going through is manifesting. That's what I think. Um, we also got to think about, you know, Anakin, right? Is this his force ghost or is this some kind of just vision made up of her memories? I think it is him. I think it's his force ghost, if you will. I think that what is happening is that all of this is happening inside her head in a way, but that the... that. Anakin is there by the will of the Force to, you know, have her go through this Gandalf the White transformation, right? She needs to, you know, challenge herself. She needs to learn one last lesson and come out, you know, a better version of herself, the real Ahsoka, if you will. Um, I loved every fucking second of this. First of all, Hayden looks amazing. This is the best de-aging we've ever seen by a long way. Like, I can't see a flaw. I actually can't see a flaw. He looks 20 years younger. It's fucking crazy what they've done here. It's wild. Hayden Christensen is a 42-year-old man, and he looks like he did in Revenge of the Sith. It is very impressive what they've done here and it's not a brief sequence with him he's in half the episode so that 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 deserves an enormous amount of credit and like in different situations and settings and with different hair and different outfits and different lighting and, and different colored lightsabers waving in front of his face um it it is really impressive i couldn't say- and what i think they've done to make that work so well is when they've had Hayden deliveries lines, they've deliberately said to him, it seems, to not move your mouth as much as you probably normally would. Because he's, you know, enunciating fine. There's nothing wrong with the way he's speaking. But normally where the de-aging, deep fake stuff falls down is around the mouth. The upper lip can look strange, the stretching of the pores, the wrinkles can start to look a little bit odd and that's where it can, you know, be given away. But I think if you tell an actor to just speak with as little movement as possible in your face, it makes it way less obvious. That's what it, either that or they've just mastered it. Either that or like, hey, just go for it. We got this. <laughs> we just go. We, <laughs> we'll nail this no matter what. Um, Because my God, I just cannot get over how good it looks. So let's talk about this lesson. This one last lesson that he's come back to teach her, right? So they're chatting away. They, 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 there's a little playful barbing over how old they look, which is a reference to the de aging, I think. Because because the like goes, you look the same, <laughs> and then and then Anakin goes, you look old. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> classic snips sky guy banter i i laughed but i was weeping the whole time i was i was so overwhelmed with emotions i've all star wars fans have waited years for this to see these two reunited i hope we we're not done with hayden i hope there's more hayden to come doesn't have to be in this that kind of way but i hope that we can see him again i'd love i'd love him to just rock up as like a normal force ghost and just chat to her it's so the one thing that I would loved a little bit more of in this episode, just the two of them talking. And it wasn't, like, what was going on with her wasn't conducive to just talking. That's not how she was going to learn what she needed to learn. So, yeah, I'd really love Hayden to come back maybe later in the season and just talk to her about what happened. And I don't know, I think that'd be really lovely. I don't know if they will do that. It sort of feels like we're done. With Hayden, and it's not his show and all that. I get that. So, you know, we may not see him again. Um. Yes, the lesson. So, he says that Ahsoka has a chance to live, right? So, it, while this is all happening, I guess she's technically dead, yeah? So, this is her chance to live. Her Her lesson is about what... I probably should have thought about this in more. I thought of a way to articulate this. I understand it in my head, but I'm just trying to send that understanding to my mouth and, and have it say something that makes any lick of sense. The, the the lesson about living, I think, involves a lot of things that they touch on as they, you know, explore her memories and their history together. But I think it's mainly about this weight. That she's been carrying around guilt about a number of things. About, you know, you've got to remember that she's a child of war. Yeah. She had, she did all her Jedi learnings during the Clone Wars. And they talk about this, right? Anakin says that he was raised in a time of peace, and Ahsoka was not. She was raised to be a soldier. She carries around an enormous amount of guilt for all the death that she was party to. That's, that's all of her, you know, clone troopers and her friends. Um, and obviously an enormous amount of guilt around what happened with Anakin um, and Order 66 and everything that Darth Vader did thereafter. I think what he's trying to teach her is that she can't possibly be responsible for things that happened when she was a child. Like she was 16 at the end of the clone wars at the end. So she's not even like, she's a child when everything that she carries guilt around happens. Right. And, and this guilt is translating into fear in the present day, right? She's afraid of taking on Sabine seriously as an apprentice. That's why they've been estranged. It didn't work out, blah blah blah. Ahsoka is afraid and we know what fear leads to, don't we? Um but this is how it's manifesting. She's closed off, she's a little bit abrasive, she's still sort of herself, but she's she's not, you know, warm and welcoming and, you know cuddly Ahsoka. Right? She doesn't seem happy. Like, I mentioned last episode when her and Sabine run off into the forest. The, the, I forget what they were talking about, but they have a little, they share a little smile. And I mentioned it because it, like, stood out to me. I was like, well, I don't think we've seen her smile yet in the show. And I think that's deliberate. Like, we're not meant to feel like Ahsoka is happy right now. That, that she's feeling good about anything that's going on. And, and when I get to the stuff that happens after she's finished up her lesson with Anakin, I'll talk about the contrast in her character that is incredibly noticeable. Um, so they have a little bit of a spa. They're, they're fighting with their lightsabers in the world between worlds. Um, the band is great. The choreography is great. It's all really, really cool. And as I said, Hayden looks fucking amazing. Um, But at one point, he cuts the bridge, Ahsoka falls and falls and falls and falls, and then we end up in, as I've said, a Clone Wars memory or flashback, right? With a younger actress playing young Ahsoka. I don't know her name, but it's the same actress who played young Gamora in Avengers. So her agent needs a fucking raise. (laughs) She's doing... She's getting very good gigs. Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, we get Clone Wars stuff that we haven't seen in live action. Like, I mean, we technically have in the movies, but not the guts of the Clone Wars, not the real meat and veg of what was going on. So that's pretty amazing to see. It's ama- and, and then Anakin runs in with his early war haircut before his hair was long, which was cool to see. Just everything here was cool to see. Really, really cool. Um, like, you know, Ahsoka's got her single green lightsaber. She obviously, during the war, adds another lightsaber. And then Anakin eventually makes both of her lightsabers blue. And then after the war, she makes both of them white. That involves, you know, her killing that Inquisitor and, and purifying the crystals. in You know, all all that stuff. All that stuff. You guys all know what I'm talking about. If you don't, go watch tales of the jedi. That's good shit there. Um there's a moment so I want to talk about this the clone hand holding thing, right? So at one point there's there's like this triage set up and Ahsoka goes to this clone who looks like he's dead, right? Cuz his head's all wrapped up. So I assume he's meant to be dead and she puts her hand on him and then he holds on to it. He grabs it with his other hand. I was like, what the hell's going on here? And obviously, like, none of this is real. It's a memory, right? It's some sort of force vision memory thing, right? They haven't actually gone back in time. So anything can happen. Like, for example, later on, we see the Siege of Mandalore with Anakin there when he obviously wasn't present. Um, And they talk about that. But this clone hand-holding thing, I think I, I am going to assume that the clone is dead and we're meant to understand that. So why does he hold on to her hand? It's it's just, I think that's for people who don't know Clone Wars very well and don't know the connection that she had with the clones and how close she was with a lot of them, Rex especially, who, bless him, we see him in live action for the first time in this episode. Oh, I mean, we see Tamir Morrison as Rex in live action for the first time. Um, it is basically a hundred percent confirmed that the, the, the old guy with the white beard on Endor in Return of the Jedi is meant to be Rex. That's obviously that was, you know, confirmed well, well, well after that movie came out, but this is the first like legit hundred percent Rex in live action. Rex is a fucking legend and it's awesome to see him in live action. I got a little bit emotional there as well. Um, but yeah, the clone hand-holding thing, I, I think that is meant to... Because it, it, the same in the same scene, she talks about how many of them have died already. In, in, you know, in this memory, they're very early in the war, and there's already so many that have died. And she's like, they were following my orders. This is my response, blah, blah, blah. That part is all about the guilt that she carries around just the horrors of war. And... Anakin talks to her about how, you know, that's what happens in wars. They're horrible and people die. And obviously that isn't a good thing, but, you know, there isn't a lot you can do there. You know, Jedi aren't God. They can't stop all horrible things from happening. It's how, it's how they, you know, respond to it and move on and, you know, how they process that and and all of those things, which I thought was really cool. Um, in this sequence, Anakin makes a joke and young Ahsoka gets really upset that he's making a joke. She's like, we're in the middle of a war. How can you be joking? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I think what the point of that was, was for her to learn that it's, you know, okay. Like you don't have to be glum all the time. You're allowed to process and manage things in a way that's healthy for you. Like you're allowed to, you know, find joy whenever and wherever you like. Like if you feel like having a little bit of levity, even in a bad time, that's okay. And that comes out big time when Ahsoka, you know, is pulled out of the ocean and wakes up. She's a totally different person. Um, As this little bit of the, the flashback ends, Anakin's walking off into a firefight and we get this amazing shot with this explosion in the background, his silhouette, and then it changes back and forth from his silhouette to Vader's silhouette with the red lightsaber and then back to him. And I was like, oh my God, Dave, stop it. Stop it, Dave. You're too good. Oh, 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 I went fucking wild when that happened. It was so sick. This episode's so sick. Oh my God. Yes. So then the next bit that we see is the Siege of Mandalore, which was fucking cool to see as well. My God, all the horned Mandalorians from Death Watch. Again, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you, like I love that Dave just doesn't give a solitary fuck about anyone who hasn't watched Clone Wars and Rebels. He's like, I don't care if you're confused, too bad. Because <laughs> right? if people haven't seen Clone Wars... They're not going to know what the Siege of Mandalore is. They're not going to know why the Mandalorians have got horns on their heads. They're not going to know what the fuck's going on, right? So I love that. I love that. Go watch more Star Wars if you haven't watched those two things. Go and watch it. But yeah, really, really cool to see. Ahsoka's kicking ass like she did in those last four episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, and then Anakin, so this is you know after she talks to Rex for a second, which was just wonderful to see. Anakin shows up. He's like, I don't remember this at all. She's like, you weren't here. He's like, ah, yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> I was in the middle of, like, freeing the Chancellor from um, Grievous at the start of *Avenger of the Sith while this was happening. <laughs> and he goes, this looks pretty intense. This is cool. <laughs> like He just, he, he loves, he loves a good fight. And this is immediately... This is the one time that I'll cross over in the bits that I'm talking about. This is right after Hu Yang has just described to to Hera the sort of person that Anakin was and used the word intense. Just that word. <laughs> Hera's like, what was Ahsoka's master like? And Hu Yang gives his pregnant pause and he goes, intense. And then the next thing that Anakin talks about is how intense this fight looked and how proud he was that Ahsoka was able to, to, to lead... The 501st through that, which was cool to see as well. Um, they talk about mistakes. And again, that Jedi aren't perfect and don't have to be. This is, again, part of Ahsoka being able to let go of her fear of things going wrong. It's completely natural for her to be afraid of things going wrong. Right. She knows that she played a part And she did. There's no, you know, ignoring that. She played a part in what Anakin became by walking away from the Order. Like I said, it's not her fault at all. She was a child who actually made a really mature decision um, that was right for her. But she would definitely be afraid, you know, taking on an apprentice of her own that something like that would happen again. You know, maybe Sabine turns to the dark side, maybe Ahsoka turns to the dark side. And, you know, this is this part of this whole flashback sequence is her facing that and, you know, learning to not be afraid of that possibility, not letting her fear stop her. It's okay to be cautious. It's okay to worry about things, but letting fear cripple you is not what you want to be doing. Um, at this point they they very briefly 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 mention not even by name but just you know they mention the vader the whole vader situation you know you know cuz anakin's like you know i'm i'm more than you know all this death and destruction and you know all that and you are too like you know all everything that i know and understand i passed on to you by, you know all that um, and then the little young Ahsoka's like, yeah, you were much more than that, weren't you? You were way more dangerous than any of us knew. And Anakin's like, oh, you're still fucking going on about the bloody, <laughs> you're still going on about the war crimes I committed. <laughs> the hundreds of Jedi I personally murdered and the oppressive, awful empire that I helped create. You're still going on about that. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um... But that isn't, like, I do wish they'd had a conversation about that. Like, Anakin, as Anakin, talked about his regrets and... Because if, if you've listened to my Star Wars stuff before, you might know that my favourite scene in all of Star Wars is in Return of the Jedi when Luke and Vader are talking. And Luke's like, come on, you can come join us, Bob. you know, we can take down the emperor. You don't have to do this. And Vader says, it's too late for me, son. The amount of remorse in his voice there, James L. Jones fucking knocks that out of the park, but the remorse and just the understanding of, you know, I wish I could do what you're saying, but I'm too far gone. So even when he was still Vader, the amount of regret, the crushing amount of regret weighing on him. I'd love to see Anakin posthumously express his regret to Ahsoka. I think that'd be so moving. Um, So, hope you know, maybe we'll get that at some point or, you know, one day we'll get that. So, yes, Anakin uh, gets really cross that Ahsoka's still upset about the whole Vader thing. And he's like, right, we're starting from the start. And he then he ignites his lightsaber and it's red. And he turns around, and he's got the red Sith eyes. And it's fucking amazing. Seeing Hayden wield the red lightsaber. Oh, Dave just knew the buttons to press. He just knew. It was so cool seeing Hayden do that. My God. <laughs> it's just a little bit cool, just a little bit. Um, so they they fight a little bit more. They end up back in the world between worlds. And I don't think that this Anakin red eyes, red lights, everything was done just to look cool. I think it was important for Ahsoka to defeat Anakin in this duel when he was like that right? To be able to, def- to defeat the Darth Vader part of her guilt. You know, that, that's, that's a huge part of the weight that she's been carrying around. And that was a metaphor for her, you know, parting ways with it, De- literally defeating, you know, this thing that had been hanging over her for decades. Um, and I thought that was really, really cool. And it was just really cool to see Hayden with the red, light, red lightsaber. The coolest fucking bit, though, oh my God, is when she disarms him, takes the red lightsaber, puts it against his neck, and then leans all the way in. And the red lightsaber reflected in her eyes, making her eyes red. I was like, oh my God. Fucking amazing. And that as well has is, is got to be about not being afraid of the darkness, right? Embracing it a little bit, I'm not saying wield it or harness it, but just, you know, not being so fearful of it. Because we know Yoda says what fear is, right? So yeah, oh God, I just thought that was sick. And then that's, you know, And then the whole place fills with water. This is why I don't think it's the world between worlds. The way that it ends, how it all like collapses on itself and then fills with water. And then we cut back to her in the ocean. I I really think that was all happening inside her head. That was some sort of force dream. Um, And we've seen Dave play with this before in Rebels. When Kanan and Ezra go into the temple. Um, Kanan later in the show when he's blind and still figuring shit out so dave's done this kind of thing before but it was fucking cool to see it in live action it was really really cool um while all that was happening here's what's going on with hera right the slightly less interesting stuff but still cool and important to be touching on so hera lands at the at the hinge and is sus and the mess um There's this moment that I just thought was lovely when... And she's done it before in the last couple of episodes. So she goes out and susses the place out. And then Jason comes Like, he pokes his head out of the ship and says, Oh, you know, can I come out? Are we all good? And she's like, Yeah, you can come out, but just keep Chopper with you, right? I love her and Chopper's relationship, right? Because Chopper's a fucking axe-wielding maniac, right? But they've been together since she was a teenager. The amount of trust between them it's like this is i'm a single mum and this is my only child but i trust him with you chopper i would if she trusts jason with chopper she will trust anything with chopper um and i just think that's really nice I i think that's really really nice that she does that um she goes into the henge. She sees Hu Yang there, and Hu Yang's so sad. He's he's mourning, you know. What he, th- he you know he's mourning the assumed loss of Ahsoka and Sabine. And it's re- like David Tennant's doing a great job with the voice acting in this, as well. Um, because there's so much remorse in his voice. He said, "I told him to stay together. They didn't listen." Like he oh, he he sounded so sad. I was like, "Oh buddy, oh mate." Oh, you, you, twenty five thousand year old bucket of bolts! You, oh, just breaking my heart. Um, there's this, there's this recurring thing throughout the episode with Carson Tever that I thought was kind of funny. They're not playing for laughs, but I found it a little bit amusing. At every opportunity, he's telling Hera, "We need to go back, or we're going to get in trouble." <laughs> he's like, "I'm all about this. I'm here to help." But we don't have a reason to be here, and we can't just make shit up, right? We need to go, or we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get in trouble. We're going to run out of fuel. We need to go. I just thought it was really funny. I like Carson a lot. He's very cool. He's a good guy. Um, I like what he does later in the episode, which I'll get to. Um, But yeah, I just found that quite amusing, he gives a little uh Senator Organa name drop. So that means that Leia is in on this, right? So is there's only so long that Senator Organa can cover for us. So when Hera's gone to do this, she's rung up she's rung up her old buddy Leia Organa and gone, hey, I'm gonna go do this unauthorized mission. You need to look the other way and also cover for us when people start asking questions. So that was fucking cool. I don't think we will, but imagine we saw Leia in this show. That'd be wild. Um Jason walks out to the edge of the henge out on the on the cliff's edge, and he's and he's saying to his mum, Mum, there's something going on with the waves. And in this moment, she's in the middle of talking to Carson. Jason's trying to talk to her. The two boys keep interrupting each other. It's like Carson and Jason are her two sons. They're like, mum, listen to me. Mama. And it's, it's just unintentionally kind of funny to me. I don't know. She's being pulled both ways. And at one point, she has to say, Jason, shut the fuck up. And at another point, she has to say, Carson, shut the fuck up. So I thought that was really funny. Um... So what's going on with Jason is that he can feel what's going on with Ahsoka. He can hear the lightsabers crashing into each other. He can sense what's happening. And I think by proxy, Hera can as well. Hera could hear what was going on and she's not, you know, we're getting a new definition of what Force-sensitive is, but of the old definition, Hera is not Force-sensitive She might be a little bit, because she's such an exceptional exceptional pilot. Um, Same with Han. He may have been a little bit, because he was such a good pilot. But Han may have been helped by having a very good ship. Um, But that is part of the reason that Anakin was such a good pilot, is because of his force sensitivity. It really helped him with his his timing and and all of that. Um, So Hera might be a little bit force sensitive, but she's not like Jedi level or anything like that. She'd be on par with Sabine in her force sensitivity. But she stands there and she opens up her mind and she listens and she hears the same thing that Jason can hear. So Dave's really doubling down on this idea that everyone's force sensitive. You just got to listen. You got to open your mind. Um, Which I think is cool. I think it's sick. By the way, the music in this little moment and the music in this entire episode was I think the best of the series so far. Kevin Kiner, I don't know what's going on, but he's just, he's doing something special with some of this music. It's helping me find emotions I didn't think I'd find watching this show. So he, he, he does a little bit of force theme stuff in this in this bit, which I love. Um, when other you know composers play with the force theme in Star Wars stuff, I think that's great. But the music in this entire episode, especially the entire end, like the last 10 minutes, like, oh, oh just amazing. Um, so they, they, they after hearing the stuff that Jason is hearing, they're like, right, we're going to go out and search out in the ocean again. Um, and Hu Yang's trying to explain to Carson Teva why they're doing this. He's like, what the fuck's going on? And Hu Yang says that um Jason's dad was a Jedi um, and he fi- they finally say Kanan's name. My God, five episodes in, we've seen Jason how many times? We've talked about Jason how many fucking times? And we've never once mentioned Kanan's name. Like, my goodness. But finally, thank God, Kanan gets a bit of bloody recognition. This might have been Dave trying to limit the amount of confusion for people who haven't seen his other shows. But fuck them, right? If they don't know who Kanan Jarrus is means they haven't seen Rebels and they haven't seen the Bad Batch. So they can get stuffed. <laughs> they can get stuffed. Um, so they fly out around uh, over the ocean. There's a nice little moment between Hu Yang and Hera um, where, you know, Huyang Yang talks about how Hera does things because she cares, like breaking the rules sometimes, and that's why people like her so much. And she shamed. She, she shamed? She shamed. I've turned into Sean Connery. She seemed genuinely moved by that, which I thought was nice. And this is the same scene where Hu Yang says that Anakin was intense. <laughs> I think that is correct. Um. But then they find Ahsoka. They find her finally, and this is where the two sort of first halves of the episode are uh, joined together. And this is where the whole show changes, right? Because the the main character has changed, right? Dave has spoken before about how much he loves Gandalf and that Ahsoka uh, is like Gandalf in a lot of ways, or he wanted her to be, right? So what he did in this episode is he made her Gandalf, (laughs) right? So they save her from the ocean. By the way, she was a long, long way away. Don't Don't know if it was the current or something about just the Force. But they, they came from beyond the horizon to bring her back. And it's like, Jesus Christ. um, Don't know how they actually found her. That is wild. But they bring her back. She chills overnight, wakes up the next morning. Um, She talks to Hu Yang for a bit. Then she comes out of the ship. And she literally has a white cloak on. Ah, oh, yes. Ahsoka the Grey, that was what they used to call me, Ahsoka the Grey, I am Ahsoka the White, and I come back to you now, at the turn of the tide. Oh, he couldn't have made it any more obvious, could he? (laughs) He couldn't have made it any more obvious. It was fucking cool. As soon as she stepped out of the ship, I was like, hey, it's Ahsoka the White. (laughs) New Ahsoka, bubbly Ahsoka, cuddly Ahsoka. I love it. Um, And you can see immediately her entire demeanour. Has changed. She's a different person, right? She's a, she's more jovial. She's more laid back. I think this is, you know, this was the lesson, yeah, that just to let go. This, like, you know, she, at the end of that that whole thing, she says, "I choose to live," and that's not. I oh, I would like to be alive, please. That's not living. Being alive and living is not the same thing, right? She When she says, I choose to live, she's saying, I'm just going to relax a little bit. I'm not going to be so worried and fearful of things that are out of my control. Yeah, I'm going to let go of this guilt that I've been carrying around things that at the end of the day were not my fault. I think that's awesome. I think that's... Dave, I told you a month ago that Dave wasn't going to mess this up. This is his baby. Ahsoka is his baby, his eldest child. He would never do her dirty, and he is just nailing this show all the way through. I don't know why he isn't directing, writing, and producing every single fucking episode. I mean, it'd kill him, that's why, but I I just wish every episode could be as amazing as this. All the episodes have been good, but I wish they could all have been this amazing, because this was fucking... Special, um, I think Hu Yang hates kids. I think that, I think after thousands of years of working with little turd Jedi Padawans, I think he hates children because they um, Hera and Ahsoka want to talk about what's going on. So they say, "Hey, Jason, do you want to go check out the starship?" And he's like, "I've seen a starship before, Mum. Thanks." And then the new bubbly Ahsoka's like, but have you ever seen a Jedi starship? And he's like, oh, my God, I actually haven't. Let's go have a look. <laughs> Hu Yang takes him to have a look. And he says, do you, wait, do you have you have a training room in the ship? And Hu Yang's like, yeah. And Jason says, will you train me? And Hu Yang says, no. And then he says, Hu Yang, do you know how to make a lightsaber? And Hu Yang says, yes. And then he says, Can I make one? And Hu Yang says, no. (laughs) I think Hu Yang's like, can you shut the fuck up? God, this is just a distraction. This is a formality. I don't want to talk to you. That's what I think Hu Yang's thinking in his head. Anyway, I'm just judging off the way that he treated Sabine, who's a grown-up, but a grown-up that he's got no respect for in terms of being a Jedi, and he was fucking brutal with her. So, I can't imagine what went on um, once him and Jason were in private, but I'm sure... Uh, he didn't hold back. <laughs> He's like you little greenhead fuck. Stop annoying. <laughs> Stop annoying me. Oh my god, I crack myself up. Um, so to figure out what happened, Ahsoka does a little force echo thing, um, which she did earlier in the season, so this isn't a new ability that she's picked up. Um, but she realizes that Sabine went with Morgan and Balin and the others on the the Piper Space Ring and she's fucking gone. Um, and they're, a bit, they're in a bit of trouble because the map was destroyed I love the look of the inside of the map all just the tiny little tiny tiny little gears and cogs I thought that was just it just looks cool to me um, but now they're in trouble because like oh my god we don't have the map how are we going to follow her what are we going to do the fleet's shown up the fucking fleet police are here <laughs> we're, we're in big trouble so Harry goes right I'm going to go talk to the fleet and sort that out I want you to figure out what we're going to do about finding Sabine like there's any fucking solution that's possible <laughs> right she's like oh you're the jedi you'll figure it out you'll figure it out in 5 minutes i'm sure i'm going to leave you to it get fucked <laughs> get fucked terra come on what an unreasonable request um but then she looks up to the sky Soka looks up to the sky and my god mate that came from the fucking depths that came from the world between worlds that burp god fucking christ oh we had nachos for dinner like a big tray of nachos with bacon and chorizo and cheese and some vegetables as well but mainly bacon chorizo and cheese and that's just where that burp came from and it was delicious um what was i talking about it's Purgle time baby it's purgle time she looks to the looks to the stars and she sees the star whales and she's like that's what we're gonna do and I reckon the old Ahsoka would have gone oh nah that won't work Old oh, bloody pessimistic Ahsoka that's never gonna work how are we gonna get the purgle to you know let us piggyback to another fucking galaxy that isn't gonna work but now this new Ahsoka's like fucking flying by the seat of her pants she's like I'll try anything let's do it <laughs> let's do it And I am here for it. I love it. Um, We go into the cockpit where Hera and Carson Teva are talking to Mon Mothma, who's being uncool. She's being a fucking nerd. She's like, did you arrest Morgan Ellsbeth? Have you got any evidence that Thrawn's come back? Well, there's fucking nothing I can do. Bullshit, there's nothing you can do. Go talk, go get Leia, who'll believe anything that they say. Go and get her and get her to talk to everybody. Now, granted, at this point in history... Leia is not the most popular figure, because everyone knows who her dad was, um, but I, that's what I would be doing, I'd be going above, I'd be going up the ladder, and I'd be getting Leia, Le- Leia would just go, no, no, these guys are onto something, this is legit, we've got to help them out, but no, Mon, Moth is, Mon, Motha, Mon Mothma's been like a boring bureaucrat, and she's, you know, unwilling to break the rules and pull strings and be cool. Stop being uncool, Mon Mothma. God. Anyway, so Hera and Carcentine was like, fuck, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? And then Ahsoka comes in, like, we're going to ride the whales. Let's go. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. It was so... This was... Watching the last part of this, the last act of this episode... I didn't, I wasn't like crying, but there was water just coming out of my eyes while I just sat there with my mouth agape. Cause I'm like, this is just, oh. there was this enormous feeling of joy and, and wonder that bubbled up inside of me. And I just felt whole again. I don't know. It was, it was a strange feeling for a grown man to have, I've got to say. So they fly up into the pod of Purgle. Um, and I thought the rest of the episode looked really awesome and I totally understood why they were doing the limited cinematic release. But then this this end sequence with all the pergle flying through the sky, I was like, Wow. I was like, oh, I would have liked to have seen that in live action because it it took my breath away. And and like all of the characters, every time like anyone who wasn't Ahsoka was looking at these whales, they're all just like, Wow. Like, this is fucking amazing. The whole fleet are just watching them fly by, like, wow. <laughs> and that's the reaction to have. That's crazy. Even, even like when you live in a galaxy where there's fucking monsters and people who have magical powers and just all sorts of crazy and like planets that are in just that are whole planets that are cities and just wild stuff like that and there's there's interplanetary light speed travel but people can still be amazed I think that is so that was such an important part of the episode in conveying the awe that you were supposed to be feeling people who live in this universe are blown away by what's happening you should be extra fucking blown away by what's happening and I was I was so Ahsoka goes and talks to the 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 Purgle, she goes up, she's, I need to slow down because I keep, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words so hard. She goes up to the biggest Purgle that they can find. She stands on the outside of her ship and she does what I assume is a type of beast control, where she's communicating with the Purgle. Now, this is not something we've seen her do before. This is not an ability that all Jedi have. We've seen Anakin do it. We've seen Ezra do it and we've seen Grogu do it and Cal Kestis as well. So there's only been a handful of Jedi that we've actually seen do this. And I wonder if this is an ability that she hasn't like, you know, she this didn't she didn't like get an achievement and suddenly she can do this ability. But I think after her conversation with Anakin about how, you know, all of his knowledge is passed on, right? This is something that he knew how to do, so she's gone, I will give it a go. And I'll see what happens, and it worked. That's what I think went on there. This is the first time she's ever done it, and you know, just what happened with Anakin gave her the confidence to try. Um, so she's talking to the Purgle. and she's like, "You ever seen Finding Nemo?" And The Purgle went, "Yeah." She's like, "We're going to do Finding Nemo. We're gonna. We're gonna I'm going to take my ship, and we're gonna. I'm going to go in your mouth, and then you're going to take me where I want to go." And the Purgle went, "Sounds good." And so the Purgle just opens up its mouth and in they go and hu yang's not keen about it at all <laughs> he's not... <laughs> and like she's standing on the outside of the ship she's tapping on the glass she's like go on let's go <laughs> she's like hop in and he's like what the hell is going on get back inside you mad woman oh i was i was loving this so much i was getting so pumped up i was so this is like not one of the shorter episodes and i was so gutted when this episode was over, I just wanted more and more and more. Um, it was funny once they got the ship inside the Purgle's mouth. Hu Yang goes, "So the Purgle knows where where they went." And Asuka goes, "I don't think so." Hu <laughs> Yang's like, "So we don't know where we're about to go." And she's like, no, nah. she's 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 gone all Willy Wonka. There's no knowing where we're going." Um, but she makes a good point. It's better than going nowhere at all. She's like, well, let's try something, you know? And she's, she might have chilled out a little bit too much, but I'm here for it. Like she, she's very happy with this weight that's been lifted off her. She just knows that everything's going to be all right. Even if, it, even if everything isn't all right, it'll be all right. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I think she's at. And I think that's cool. I think that's cool. She's, th- th- this is great character development it doesn't come out of nowhere it makes a lot of sense um it's not force-fed you got to sort of think about what's going on and why she's changing in the way that she is and i think it's amazing and then the perg fly up into the atmosphere they fly around the fleet and as i said everyone the fleet's going what the fuck? this is crazy and then they all start to glow with their, you know, glowy bits that they're about to jump into hyperspace. And, you know, Hera and Ahsoka just say goodbye and Hera says, May the force be with you. And that made me cry, because that just does now. I don't know. I was just about anything could have made me cry in that moment. It it, it was the swelling music and just the, the awesome size and scale of the Purgle and just everything that was about to happen was just epic it was epic that's the best way to describe what was happening just and it was something a little bit different like we've seen purgle before in star wars doing this exact thing but you know going to another galaxy having this character that we've known for a long time in ahsoka go through a transformation like that in an episode it felt fresh like, even though even though Dave's taking things from Lord of the Rings and from Finding Nemo and, and whatever else, it felt fresh. And uh, it just felt magical again. And then off the pergol goes, jump off into hyperspace. And that's the end of the episode. And I really wanted to see where they, I really wanted the end of the episode to just be a little brief. You know, this is where Morgan and Sabine and Balin ended up. This is where they're at. And Shin Hottie has everyone's, everyone's simping hard for Shin. I love it. Um, I would have liked to have seen that, but that'll be next episode. Next episode, we will get Thrawn, I have no doubt. Um, they're not bringing Lars Mikkelsen back to just shortly appear at the end of the season. I reckon we'll get Thrawn and probably Ezra... In the next episode, I cannot wait. Oh, I'm so sad there's only three episodes left, but you can also look at it as there's a whole three episodes to go and we've already just, like, gotten some... Like, that felt like the end of the second act of, a, of an amazing film, what we just watched. Like, the first act is... Oh, you know, oh, the, the, there's the map, and they've got the map, and the, you know, and, and and we're on Lothal, and then we're in this, we're on Corellia, and what's going on, and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, now we're at CETOS, and that's the first act. Then the second act is, oh, we're on CETOS. What's going on on CETOS? Oh, I'm going to go fight this guy. Oh, I've fallen off a cliff. Oh, now I'm in the world between worlds. That's the second act. And now the second act's over, and the fucking crazy shit's about to start. I'm gonna go, we're going to another galaxy. Oh, it's what I love. What Hera says right before the end, she's like, "No, nah, we can't come. Jason's too young to go to another galaxy." I thought that was one of the best jokes I've ever heard in Star Wars. I was like, "That's a great mum joke. What a that's like classic, classic mum joke." Anyway, um, that's that that is one of the best episodes of anything in Star Wars that there's been. Oh. I can hear a dog outside the door. Hello Mr Obi. What's going on, Mr? Aren't you lucky I left the door ajar for you? What are you doing? No, that's not your <laughs> There's a blanket in a pile on the floor that I was getting that I was um that needs to be washed, I think, actually. I forget why it's in here, um, but it's it's not in a pile that is like appropriate to be sat on. If it was in like a bed shaped pile, and Obi came in and was like, oh, "I'd like to sit on this," I'd be like, "Yeah, go for it, mate. Do whatever you like." But it's like it's on it's in a pile on top of just other random shit, and he he loves a good blankie. and he just wants to turn it into a bed, and he's struggling. So I'm watching him fuck around with it now. You can hear him. Um, he's just, Mister, mate, this isn't working. It's ne- You've now totally moved it out of the way. Oh, is that pretty good? All right, I'm nearly done doing this, so you can stay there for the next few minutes, if you want, while I finish up. Is May in the room as well? What's going on? No, she's not. Okay. All right, well, you can sit there for a second. Anyway, yeah, this is one of the best Star Wars episodes of anything that we've had. This was special. Um... It sounds silly. It sounds silly. Like some people think it's really silly for grown men, grown people to be as, you know, enthusiastic about this as they are. But it means a lot to people. And it, just my experience of this episode was that it brought a lot of magic back to Star Wars. It made me feel like a kid, which is a special thing to do. So thank you very much, Dave Filoni, for for making this happen. Um, I cannot wait for the next three episodes. Um given what happened in this episode, I think I've been pretty measured in this podcast. Last week I was losing my fucking mind because of the type of cliffhanger that we got mainly. Um oh, what's going on here? Nothing. We're all good. Um but but let me tell you watching this episode through a couple of times tonight. Um man. I'm I'm loving Star Wars again. I'm loving Star Wars again. I never stopped loving it, but there was less of it to love in recent years. That's for sure. It's been this and Andor, basically. (laughs) And parts of The Mandalorian. And parts of Boba Fett that were parts of The Mandalorian. And that's been it, really. Um, So this was a special special day. It's exciting. Let me know what you guys thought of the episode. Did you think it was amazing? The consensus mostly seems to be that people are loving it. Some people didn't love it, and that's cool. You don't have to love everything, but if you don't like this episode, you're an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about. That's what I think. Alrighty, thanks heaps for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, leave a review. Tell your friends, and I will catch you next time. Bye.